0: All right, uh, like I said, this is Bachelor 1000 BC. Uh, last week we hit David and Bathsheba. This <laughs> week we're going to hit uh, Amnon and Absalom. Uh, as we move for the story, uh, kind of a reset. The story jumps forward between chapters 13 and 14 about 15 years. Uh, David is probably 55 ish. So in the ancient world, that's old. That's Middle Age for us. That is very old in the ancient world. So uh, he's 55-ish for this story. Uh, He's pretty much conquered uh, all the major enemies he has around him at this point. And so Israel is relatively at peace. Uh, This little map. This is what Saul controlled. This green area is what David controls. And when Solomon comes in, he extends controls up here all the way to the Euphrates. Uh, so David has conquered a lot of the enemies that are around him. And so Israel's pretty much at peace. That doesn't mean that there's no violence, but there, there's no active campaigns going on to expand borders. They're pretty uh, stable at this point. As you know, as you go west, as you go east here, you get into the desert. Nobody wants the desert. They're not going there. Uh, Down this way, Egypt is starting to organize and get together. So David controls all this in between. And in modern day, this is Israel, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and then the Gaza Strip. So David is 55-ish, they're relatively at peace, he's not been out to war for a while, Uh, and then all the things that were prophesied to occur start to occur. Uh, Just a little reminder, uh, here's all the sons of David. Daughters don't count, uh, except for Tamar, we're going to talk about her in a second. Uh, and concubines don't count. So these are only sons by the wives, which means they're in the order of an inheritance. Uh, and so you can see there are about 19 of them. Uh, like we said, this, this is why we call this bachelor of 1000 BC. All these guys want to be the king. And and so these were David's sons, besides the sons of the concubines, and Tamar was their sister. We bring her out because she's about to show up again. Uh, And this is the order of of inheritance, if you will. So Amnon is the crown prince. He is the one, remember David's 55, In that day and age he could die any time. So Amnon's got to be ready to be king. Daniel uh, disappears. Uh, Jewish writers of a couple, several centuries after this say that he died in childhood. We don't know anything about him other than the fact that he doesn't show up here, he doesn't show up in Chronicles. He's mentioned, but he's not involved in any of this uh, power struggle. Uh, There is one uh, Jewish writer that actually says Daniel was that Abigail was pregnant when she married David, and that's why Daniel disappears. Nobody else says that. Uh, So it's more than likely that he died in childhood. Uh, And then you have Absalom who's next in line, then Adonijah who's next in line uh, as they step down. And most importantly, you can see as you go all the way down here, there's Solomon. So when we get to when David starts to hand power off, we're gonna explain why that's very unusual. It's Solomon is, one the, I think he's ninth, sixth, oh, or tenth. He's tenth in line. Uh, way down the line. Can I ask you Yes. Minute, just, just for joke, because my, my version does not say firstborn. How many versions say firstborn and not? Uh, in, right in the. Uh, I'm talking about this. Look at the very first verse. Yes. Yeah, firstborn first right there, here. Yeah, that word what chapter is this 13 that, that's out of 13 because this is also this one actually may be out of this is probably out of chronicles uh, Chronicles 9 because Daniels Daniel has two different names he's got a name in Kings and second and second Samuel and he's got a different name in chronicles but it's just like Solomon has a different name Jedediah they frequently had multiple names. And so this, this is out of Chronicles, oh, okay. Oh, okay. which is uh, because they list all the rest of these guys, which aren't shown up in 2 in Samuel. Uh, and so Chronicles is very, uh, they pay a, bit, a lot of attention to birth order because it's about the descendants. Because Chronicles is written during uh, or just after they, the return from uh, Babylon. So it's very important to know what your birth order is and where, where your inheritance is. So this is out of Chronicles. So the firstborn is Amnon. He's the crown prince. And a little uh, for those of you who like uh, genealogy. Uh, and all the remember all the names in here. Everybody's related in these stories. Uh, here is you know the Book of Ruth. There's Jesse. There's David and all his wives. You know, I love all the unknown mothers. These are, obviously, he's going by alphabetical order because now these are like I's and E's and J's. Uh, and here's David and all the other ones mentioned. Uh, and then you have Bathsheba, then you come down to Solomon. Uh, and the interesting thing to see how many of these guys, when we talk about Tamar and, and Amnon, how many people marry their cousin? That was a normal cultural thing in those days. Uh, Because you see, they're first cousins. Uh, You get down here, second or third cousin. uh, It was not unusual that you would marry what we consider pretty close relatives. So when you get to the story of Tamar, that's going to show up. and then here is Absalom and Tamar, and you will notice he has a daughter named Tamar. And we'll get we'll, this person actually is the same person. <coughs> Tamar, like everyone else, has two names. So in Chronicles, she's called Maka. She's also named Tamar. So she actually ends up. This actually, sorry, this is actually Tamar's daughter, Maka, who marries Rehoboam. So the circle gets completed uh, of keeping, it, keeping everything in the family. So th- this looks like West Virginia. I know from those of you. <laughs> or if you're an Alabama fan, Mississippi. <laughs> or Arkansas, if you're a Mississippi fan. But uh, this is David's family tree. Down to all the kings of uh, Israel. All right, let's talk about Amnon and Tamar. And Melon's the crown prince. When you start reading in this chapter, uh, he has an advisor, Jonadab. Jonadab's his first cousin. Everybody's advisors and their military leaders are their cousins or their brothers. You keep it in the family. Uh, Tamar's his half-sister. The, the important thing about Tamar is, remember, her mother is not Jewish. Her, mo- her mother is a wife from the king of Jeshar, who's going to show back up here in a minute, up north. So she has different views than what the, Jew, the Hebrews have. Now, in this story, the story is uh, Amnon is in love with Tamar. I told you this is a bachelor. Uh, he, we know he is unmarried because he lives at home with dad. Uh, this is like modern stories. <laughs> uh, so, so Amnon's living at home. Uh, all the unmarried women would be also living in the same household, and they would do the cooking and the housekeeping. That—that's kind of what the the unmarried women did. They had to learn to run a household. So, Amnon is in love with Tamar. Uh, he's about twenty-five-ish at this time. Low, tw- call him low 20s somewhere uh, and so his cousin says well here, here's a plan say you're sick and again the unmarried women cooked so you go hey can Tamar come and make me some food uh, she may have had a reputation as a good cook it's, it's not clear it business not say uh, he, so he pretends he's sick David comes and sees him and says, man, you, you've, not, you've not been to the table because all the kids ate together at David's table every day. And he's not there. David comes and sees him in the house. He says, oh, send me my sister Tamar to cook for me because I'm I'm ill. And so David tells her, go cook. Uh, the interesting part about this are the two words that they use. David, what Amnon asked for is Labob. Labob is kind of like a special meal that you cook when you're dating. What David says is, Tamar, go making some bira, which just means food. Feeding. When Tamar comes, if you look in the story, she brings all the... She doesn't cook in the kitchen and <coughs> bring the food. She brings everything to the room to cook for him. And she says, I'm going to cook you some lebab. So, some of the jewish writers will say that tamar was not an unwilling participant in this because if you marry the crown prince and you're the first wife what do you become you become the queen so this is not tamar just innocently walking down the hallway here she is kind of looking at this going like he's not married if i can marry him i can become the queen and david's 55 he's going to die anytime in her mind Uh, And so you see in the story when they start talking, he sends everyone away. She cooks for him alone in his room, which also is a culturally not a norm. And so then he basically says, Come lay with me. She says, No, 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 nobody does that. And then she says, if you ask my father David, he will give us a marriage. Because remember, she's not Jewish. Sister marriage among the royal families was a norm. Among Egypt, Babylon, Assyria. All the people that surround the Hebrews. So on her mind, she says, oh, Let's just get married. I can become the queen, you become the king, we're set. And he doesn't. At that, he says he overcomes even, he overpowers her and he rapes her. And Then David finds out about it and says, David is furious. And then what do you do when you're furious? If you're David, absolutely nothing. You should do something. Yeah, you should do something. The rule, the law in the the Old Testament law is if you rape a woman, you have to marry her. Or we stone you to death. You have two choices. And David does zero. Remember, this is not the first time David does zero. A lot of times when he has difficult issues come up, David does nothing. And that's what he does. Two years. He does nothing. Now, Tamar is disgraced. so She tears her down, and she goes and lives with her brother Absalom. It says Absalom takes her into his household. So we know Absalom is married, and he's living in another house. He's in the city but he's not living in David's house anymore. Two years, nothing happens. And then the story moves on. Now, we have Absalom, who's angry because his sister's been dishonored. This is an honor-shame culture. Uh, And so it's sheep-shearing time. As you remember, going back in the story of David, sheep-shearing is a celebration time. And so... Uh, Absalom has a sheep field about 10 miles north of Jerusalem. And he says, hey, David, dad, king, come and celebrate with me. We're we're finished shearing the sheep. We're going to have a big celebration. And David says, basically, I'm I'm old and I'm tired. I don't want to go, but take all your brothers, all 19 of your brothers go with you. And so they all get on their donkeys and they ride 10 miles north to the celebration. During the celebration, Absalom tells his men when Amnon is drunk, kill him. Again, he's just, Absalom's just like his uncle. What's his uncle who's in charge of the army? Joab. Joab kills everyone. That's Joab's base thing. If you're a problem to me, I'm going to kill you. Absalom does the same thing, although it's it's actually the punishment for the crime, but David has not done anything for two years, so Absalom actually takes it in his hands and kills uh, Amnon. Is is in the early part of the Bible, when, if you rape someone, had a death sentence? You're, you had two choices. You could marry her, or you can get stoned it's pretty easy. And he didn't. And David does zero. He does not do either. And so that makes Tam, uh, Tamar uh, to the point no one's going to marry her because they all know the story. And so it says she lives the rest of her life with her brother in his house. And so uh, now Absalom has killed, Amnon. Now the story gets back to Jerusalem that all the kids are dead that Am- Absalom has killed all the brothers. That would be the start of the Civil War. That means Absalom wants to be king. And then uh, before anyone else gets back, uh, Jonadab says, No, 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 no. Only Amnon is dead. So how how's he know that? He had to know that before it happened because he is Absalom's advisor. So Jonadab's in on the plan. He knows this is all pre-planned. And so... What happens then is, now that Absalom has killed his brother, in the culture of that time, if you killed the crown prince and you're the next in line, what's that make you? The crown prince. But that also makes you, I'm going to start, I'm about to start a rebellion. So what he does is, he runs home to Granddad, His uh, Gishar is about 50 miles north of Jerusalem. It's just outside the territory David controls. And so Absalom runs home for three years. And interestingly enough, David does nothing again. He doesn't... David is far more powerful than Gishar is. So if he went up to them and said, give me Absalom, they would give him Absalom. He does nothing for three years. So now we're five years into the story. David has done nothing again. Now, if you remember back what Nathan told him, he said, you know, the sword is never going to pass from your household. What you have done in private will be done in public. And so we're starting to see this. So Absalom, the crown prince, or not Absalom, Amnon the crown prince is dead. Absalom, who's the next crown prince, is now living with granddad, basically banished Israel and so here, kind of give a little map so Jerusalem's down here so after Absalom kills his brother this is where like I said this is about 10 miles he runs 50 miles up to granddad lives there for three years the rest of this will show up in a, in a minute when Absalom comes back and realizes what else he can do So Absalom's banished. Three years with granddad. There's a story about uh, Joab really likes Absalom. Uh, Remember, Joab and Absalom would be first cousins. And so he concocts this story and gets a woman to come in and talk to David about sons killing each other and the law says you should kill the one son one son kills the other she only has two sons so the law says the second son who survives should be killed capital punishment because he killed his brother but she says if he does that it's going to cut off my inheritance I'll have no one else to inherit what should I do and David says oh this is easy I'll give you a a a pass you don't have to kill your son he can inherit and then she Turns around and flips and says, "Well, this is exactly what you're doing, because everyone loves Amnon or uh, Absalom. Uh, he is he is also listed. And when they talk about Absalom here, they talk about how good looking he is. Remember, David was really good looking. Everyone talked about that, how he was just a good looking Absalom. And he's like, again, this is back this is back to Bachelor, 1000 BC. He's super good looking. Has talks about his hair." He wears his hair long, every year he cuts it once, it weighs like five or six pounds. And then he grows it out the next year. Uh, So everyone loves, he's he's good looking, and so David after three years says you can come back and live in your house in Jerusalem, but he's banished from David's house for two more years. So now we're seven years into this. Is that medically possible? What? To grow five pounds of (laughs) hair? Uh, obviously, I wouldn't know, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's got a good hair product. He's got a good hair team. You know, again, if if he was on Bachelor, he'd be on a commercial talking about his hair products. He'd be on Instagram selling hair hair products. But and, and so in this, so he's back in Jerusalem. It talks about he has four children, of which three boys, one girl. He names a daughter after his sister. And then she actually, as you see, wraps back up and ends up, her daughter ends up marrying Jeroboam. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so David finally forgives him after two years. Joab is in this uh, talking about, you know, because Joab really likes Absalom. And so Joab finally gets Absalom to be brought back to David so he can come back in David's house. The banishment ends. We're seven years into this. So if he was 55-ish when this started, he's now in his 60s. David is now in his 60s. All right, chapter 15. Absalom decides it's good to be the crown prince. You know what's better? To be the king. Uh, And so he provides himself with a chariot and horses and 50 men to run ahead of him. Remember what we said about... Israel is very hilly. People really don't ride chariots. It's not an effective way to get around. In fact, when you read the stories, they usually ride donkeys. Because donkeys are much uh, better on rocky, small paths. But he gets himself a chariot. So what's he acting like here culturally? That's what a king does. Chariot, men running in front of him saying, the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. Uh... So he's acting like a king. He sits himself in the the gates to Jerusalem. So when people come to the king, because he's the court, court, he says, what are you here for? And and he listens to him and says, if I were king, here's how I would rule. And so he does this for a period of time. Uh, And so it says, and he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. So everyone's looking at him and going, like, he's the crown prince. He wouldn't be a bad king. I mean, he agreed with me when I had a problem with my neighbor and I took it to the court, which was David. And so before long, everybody's agreeing with him. And then he makes this vow. He says, David, Dad, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. Why is he going to Hebron? Abraham. Abraham. And who, was, who else was king in Hebron? Hebron? Crowned. David. This is the middle of Judah. This is where his dad was crowned king. This is where they crowned the kings in Judah. And then so he sends messages out to all of Israel. As soon as you hear the sound of trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. So he's, pr- he's plotting a coup. I'm, I'm going to become king. David's in his mid-low sixties. Uh, Am says I want to be king, and so he. Interesting enough, he invites the 200 leading men from Jerusalem to go with him, and it says they were invited as guests and went quite innocently, not knowing about the matter. So what he does, he brings all the the power brokers, if you will, from. Jerusalem to Hebron—it's not a long trip. They're there, and so people can say, "Oh yeah, the king's advisors were with him. The head of the army was with him." And so, even though they didn't know he's about to do a coup, all when these voices, when these people, the messengers go out to say, oh, "Here's all the guys who were with him in Hebron," and so which are all the power brokers in Jerusalem. And then he sent for. He hit, I oh, hit Who was he? He's advisor, David. David David's David. advisor, and Bathsheba's granddad. Yes. Who was angry about the whole thing? And, and uh, David said, "Please don't let him take the advice of the Yes, and so he so he joins Absalom's. So David's one of his top advisors is now joining Absalom. So the coup is about to occur. Uh, And so Absalom crowns himself king. Uh, Interestingly enough, what do you have to have to to be crowned king in Jewish history? You've got to have a high priest. He does not have the high priest. He crowns himself king. And so David, chapter 16, David's in Jerusalem. Remember, Hebron's only about 10, 15 miles away. It's not a long way. They hear all this. And so, David immediately figures out all my advisors are gone, Uh, a lot of the army is gone, and so he says we're leaving Jerusalem. And he leaves ten concubines to say take care of the house, and everyone else leaves. And uh, Zadok, sorry, uh, yeah, Zadok, who's the high priest. gets the ark and takes the ark and is going to take the ark with David. So David's leaving. He's taking all the people of Jerusalem that belong to him and he's taking the ark. Well, the priest won't take the ark. And David looks at him and says, No, the ark needs to be where we put it. Take it back. And then he, uh, Hushai is also an advisor. Uh, and he tells Hushai and Zadok, I want you guys to stay behind and be my spies. Tell me what Absalom is doing. And so they stay by. He runs. There's some side stories here. He runs at Ziba, as you remember, is uh, Meshibbeth's steward. And then he basically says, hey. He brings food out to David and says, hey, I'm on King, team David. You know who's not here? Meshibbeth. He is wanted to be restored by Absalom. So he's staying in the city. And so David says, fine, you get all the property. And then the uh, story of Hashemi. Uh He is a Benjamite. He is a Saul. He's a team Saul guy. So when David comes across to him, he stands on the side of the road and cusses him out. That's, in ter- that's translating what they're actually saying. He is lighting him up. And so uh, you got to love Joab and uh, Abishai, the two cousins. What do they say? Can we kill this guy? Right, no. right. There's no problem that can't be solved with a good sword. Joab's bottom. That should be on his gravestone. Uh, and, so David, and so David says, no. He says, if the Lord has put me here, he's telling the truth. If not, I shouldn't kill him. And so Shammai really does not like David. So he, everyone passes by, and he's still cursing him out. And then Absalom takes over Jerusalem. And then his advisors tell him to show that you're truly the king, what you did is you, you would take all the king's wives into your household and sleep with them. So on the roof of the palace, they, they erect a tent and Absalom sleeps with the ten concubines that David leaves behind. And so this in culturally basically says, I'm the king. He, I'm in control. It also cuts any possibility of Getting back together with your dad. Because you're now saying, you're powerless to stop me from sleeping with your concubines. And so Absalom's crowned himself king in Hebron. He's now living in Jerusalem. Uh, And the Nathan prophecy has now come true. The things that you did in secret will now be done in public. And so everyone in Jerusalem sees this occur. All right. Chapter Seventeen: The Rebellion Rages On. Well, for the Star Wars fans, this is like movie number two. Uh, uh, so we have the advisors are left. This is secretly Team David. He's on Team Absalon. Uh, so they have they get advice, and he says, "Chase him right now because he's disorganized. He's old. You can catch him and kill him." And, which is probably what they should have done. In retrospect, definitely what they should have done. Ushai comes back and says, you know, you know, when you've wounded a bear and you chase him into his den, he's, you don't want to do that because he's fighting for his life. And, you know, David is wise. He's wily. Won't you gather all the troops up in strength and then go after him? Because that gives David time to get away. Uh, And so then he sends uh, these two gentlemen, Uh, Jonathan is a nephew of David's, he is a priest who is the son of Zadok, Uh, so they send them out, and there's a little story of them having to uh, hide in a well, because they're, they're well known, people know these guys, and so people see them leaving. And they go, hey, these two guys are going out the direction of David. And so Absalom immediately knows that they're spies and tries to find them. And they end up hiding in a well. Uh, and then Ahithophel realizes when he doesn't take his advice, he's dead. Because he realizes David's about to win. Uh, the one only shot they had was to catch David when he was disorganized. And so he goes back and hangs himself. And then uh, there are stories of all the guys who bring food to David. Uh, and that, as part of this is just you, you get a feel that these are not made-up stories. These are, here's the guys that brought food in. Here's the guys that brought sheep in. He brought oil. Uh, and it's all these guys that will show up again in the story of Israel. Chapter 8, 3rd uh, Star Wars. Uh, the death of Absalom so finally Absalom gets all his troops together and he goes after David David by this time has gathered people to him and he has very wily men and so there is a battle Absalom's side routs. so David's side routs Absalom and David tells the leaders of his army even after all this don't kill Absalom be gentle with him. Joab, what's Joab's model, motto? <laughs> there is no problem you can't solve with the sword. Absalom is riding from the route on his donkey. His hair gets caught in a tree, and he gets hung up. The donkey goes out, and he's hung in the tree. Uh, Joab comes along with his men, and Joab kills Absalom. Because he knows this is what has to be done. Sometimes Joab is right in his motto. Sometimes it's wrong. This time he's got to kill Absalom because Absalom's rebelled against the king. And so he kills Absalom. And then they send, there's a story of two messengers coming back uh, to tell David. And David sees one messenger and goes, oh, it's good news if there's one messenger. It's bad news if there's more than one. And then he sees the second one. And the guy comes and basically tells that what has happened to Absalom is what has happened to all rebels. They should be dead. And so he realizes. And so David mourns. Uh, And so he mourns so badly that he depresses his army. Uh, And so Joab comes up to him. And David's in mourning. He's got his clothes ripped over the death of a guy who is trying to kill him. Uh, and so Joab looks at him and says these men fought for you they, they stayed on your side when they could have gone to Absalom you have to, you have to act better because you're depressing them so David queens up and, and congratulates all his guys as they come by and then you have this great story of Ziba and Shammai show back up now that David is down in charge Shammai changes his tune And he comes back and goes, hey, 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 all that stuff I said about you earlier, eh, I was just talking out of my head. I mean, that's not true. And so again, what's Joab say? Can I kill him? (laughs) Uh, And then David says again, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know he cursed me and he was against me, but no, we're not killing Shemai. And then Mephibosheth shows up and goes, hey, this is why I wasn't here. I was, you know, I'm lame and I can't walk. So I had to ride my donkey. Ziba took my donkey and stuck me in the city. And I wanted to be on Team David, but I couldn't get out of the city. And, and Ziba again says, no, 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 that's not true. And so what David does is that he splits things in half and says, all right, I can't tell which one of you is telling the truth. I do know that Ziba fed my troops twice. Uh, So he splits everything in half and says, Ziba, you can have half. Meshibabeth, you can have half. And then Mephibosheth says, no, Ziba can have it all because he lives in David's house, and so David will take care of him. So that, that's not, we're not sure whether he really gave up half or that was Middle Eastern culture of, yeah, take this, no, 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 I can't take this, take this. You have to say it three times and then they'll finally take it. And then David returns to Jerusalem. Uh, and it talks about when David comes back to Jerusalem, the ten concubines he puts in his household and he never sleeps with them again and they're Basically, takes care of for the rest of their life, but they're no longer uh, concubines to him. All right, chapter 20. David now goes after total control. Uh, there is... Uh, Sheba is a... Uh, one of the rebels, because Absalom's now dead. So Sheba grabs the remnants and says I'm never ever ever following King David. Absalom forever. He got the tattoo and everything so uh, and so he decides he's going to rebel and so David looks at Joab and says gather up the boys go stomp this guy out we, we can't show weakness at this point because there are still people that are not enamored with David and so this guy can be a lightning rod and they can gather around him And so, Amsa, who is the leader of Absalom's army, let's go back up to, nope, went too far. Here's Joab, Abishai, Ashiel's dead, Amsa is their cousins. He is the head of Absalom's army and so they're first cousins so these guys all grew up together are all in the army together they all know each other and so uh, Amsa says yeah alright I, I will gather the rest of the troops I will become part of the army again uh, again Joab uh, he meets the rest of the troops of Israel Joab has the troops of Judah jo- once again Joab's model motto. There's nothing that a sword and a dagger doesn't fix. In the middle of the road, they meet. He grabs him by the beard. He stabs him. He leaves him to die in the middle of the, of the road, and which is actually a problem because all the troops that are now following the story says, stop and look at him dying in the road. They're supposed to be chasing this guy, and they're stopping to look at him dying. And so they, drag, they say they drag him off the road, cover him in some bushes, and now the rest of the troops move on. So again... Joab, this this is is flat out murder. You know, Saul's uh, leader of the army. Joab does the same thing too. Joab kills a lot of people that were not, had not done things worthy of death. And Joab, Joab, his job is like, if I see a problem, I'm going to kill it. Uh, That's going to come back at the end of Joab's life in a bit. So uh, they march north to a city in the far north of Israel. And there's a little story in there. She, it's, it's, a, it's a walled city. Sheba gets in there with all his armies and basically says, "I'm not coming out." And so Joab circles up the city, and he says, "You know and so he calls to the leaders of the city and say, "Hey, you have nothing to do with this guy." We're going to destroy the city unless he comes out. And then there's a story of a woman in there who comes out to Joab and says, what do you need to happen? And he says, well, if you throw his head out to us, we will leave. And I can just envision this. It doesn't say how long it takes. But I envision this like about an hour later. A head goes flying over the wall. And it's Sheba. And Joab says, okay. Blows the trumpet says, we're going home, guys. So... Uh, the leading woman of the city talked to all the other guys into killing this rebel and throwing his head out. Very interesting story. Very non-culture. Because the women did not control stuff. But in this story, she did. I mean, she comes out to Joe. She was the wisest one in the city. And says, hey, we really don't want to die. That this is not our fight. What, how do we get out of this? And he said, just give me his head. Okay. And, you know, head shows up. Uh, this, that's almost—I'm laughing. It's a little Monty Python-ish. <laughs> you know, you just have this story, and then the woman, hey, what do you need? Well, I just need a head. Oh, here it comes. Okay, uh, and then it talks about David appointing his officials. So we're now finished with the sixth chapter story of Absalom and Amnon. The prophecies of Nathan have come true. I mean, Amnon is dead. Absalom is dead. Uh, there was a rebellion, killed lots of Hebrews during the during the war. So the sword has never left David's family. Uh, David is now set up, now remember age-wise, by the end of this, he's probably, we'll call him 65-ish. So uh, he's getting towards the end of his life. We know from prior writing in, in uh Samuel that he's going to rule till he's 70. So he's getting towards the end of his reign. His oldest two sons are dead. Well, actually oldest three sons are dead because Daniel slash the second son has disappeared. So he's probably died of uh, childhood illness or something. So his oldest three sons are dead. Uh, he is now, the next story is we're going to set up the uh, ascension, him picking who is going to follow him. Uh, which should be Adonijah, but we're going to find out it is not where well, it is, but it isn't All right There you go Any questions during about bachelor 10,000 or 1,000 BC? So did you say that Joe Webb liked Absalom? Oh, absolutely. So he probably killed it because he didn't want David to know he was in on the I'm sure you know some of that Yeah, I'm sure Absalom was he He was a favorite. I mean He's good looking. He's the number two guy. He, he's wise. Uh, I think Joab really liked him. Absalom seems to have a very direct... I mean, because how does Absalom handle Amnon? The same way Joab would have, right? You messed up. Let me kill you. Uh, and so I think that there's they're similar personalities in a lot of ways. I think Joab really likes him. But I think he kills Amsa because he rebelled. Joab's a rule follower. Well, That's not right. He's not a real follower. Black and white guy. He's very black and white. You're either for me or against me. And once you're against me, you're not coming back. And so you see him over and over and over do that. Saying, you know, uh, you you have betrayed me. You've gone to the other side. You're dead. When he says you're dead to me, he literally (laughs) means you're dead to me. There's, there's uh, There's no I'm banishing you. Uh, and so now we set So we set up in the last part of 2 Samuel, which will be Randall, uh, the transition between David and Solomon. We're going to try to bring Jesus in. Yes, and Jesus will show up here in a bit. Remember, the interesting thing is all these guys are in the line of Jesus. That, back to the inheritance. This is the line of Jesus. And you have, you know, Bathsheba is in the line of Jesus. Uh, this Tamar, her daughter, is in the line of Jesus. Uh, there are a lot of people in here that are not stellar individuals. When you look at the kings here, there's what three good kings and uh, however many, seventeen bad kings, something like that. There are not. There are a lot of non-stellar people that are in the line of Jesus. Just to show you, God can redeem lots of, of our activities. No one's beyond redemption. You know, it's one of, it's one of the little ones. The more you study, you, you you learn that there are four women in Jesus' life. I'll bet you there are not many these that understand that the Tamar that's in Jesus' line is not the one that got raped. It's the dog. Actually, two Tamars. Because the original Tamar, going all the way back to Genesis, is the daughter-in-law slash second wife of Judah. Uh, Yes? Did you come across any commentaries, or what do people make of David's inactivity in light of the events that happened with Tamar? Well, the the, the, the Jewish guys are all over the board on that. You have uh, his... David never, his relatives, when they misbehave, he never disciplines them. I mean, think of Joab killing Abner. I mean, you, you can go all, every time there's an event in Second Samuel, David does nothing. Uh, every time, when Absalom kills Amnon, he does nothing. When Amnon reaches it, he does nothing. Uh, when Joab kills As- Amasa again, he does nothing. David, he has, that is his... Uh, his major fault is he cannot bring himself to discipline his family, and I I, I don't think it's because there are some guys who say, "Well, it's it was only Tamar who's a woman, so I'm really not crown prince versus a woman." I think it's it's consistent with David's activity his entire life, which is that he never disciplines his family when they when they need discipline, which leads them to. This Amnon raping his sister, Absalom trying to overthrow the kingdom, and we're gonna we're gonna meet uh, uh, Adonijah trying to do the same thing in a bit. So this constantly goes on and on and on because David doesn't discipline his family. I think it's interesting that David names a son of Bathsheba Nathan. Oh yeah. And you know right there. every time he runs through the house and he has to there's Nathan. And I don't think the jo- John the Beth and John the Baptist faced Herod, I don't think Herod in his strange family would have ever named someone, John or something. Yeah. But Nathan right. means one of his sons. Or excuse me, David names one of his sons, Nathan, which I think is in the lineage of Mary, right? Right. If you think if you go back to Luke, <coughs> Mary's lineage runs through Nathan. Uh, Joseph's lineage went through Solomon. So, this gentleman here is in the lineage of of Jesus. Uh, So, it's very interesting to see all these things coming back and forth. The fact that, I mean, David clearly messed up when he married Bathsheba. But God redeems that because both of these are in the ancestry of Jesus. The child that died was never named. it's never named in the Bible and that's a, probably also culturally consistent that they didn't, a lot of cultures don't name them till after a certain period of time and for the Jews it was probably eight day, on the 8th day when you did the circumcision you'd name them and the, we know the baby dies on the 7th day alright, see you next week